You are listening to the audio preaching podcast of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Fallbrook, California, pastored by James Christensen. Though located in the heart of Southern California, you will hear powerful, relevant, and life-changing preaching from the Word of God. Pastor Christensen believes that every Christian can reach their potential for the Lord. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. It's, you don't have to turn there for sake of time. I'll just read it. Uh, the first part, the Bible says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I, uh, <clears throat> I was not born in the United States. I was born in the country of Indonesia, and when my parents had split up and divorced, we moved out here to America, had to learn a whole new language, and um, because we didn't have a lot of money, I grew up in uh, pretty much all my childhood, very rough areas, very rough neighborhoods, and always getting into fights every day. Not fights that I wanted to get into necessarily, but uh, just because I'm usually the smallest guy, so <coughs> kind of, you know, put in that position. Um, but growing up, I, I, you know, my mom had, had to work very hard uh, to support us. At uh, one point, she even worked three jobs, uh, but because of that, she was never home. And I, was, I got in a lot of trouble, uh, a lot, a lot of trouble. I started uh, smoking when I was eight years old. I uh, joined a gang when I was 13, uh, became an alcoholic about the same age. Um, started selling drugs um, because I didn't like not having money, and my mom never had enough money for anything. Uh, <coughs> and by age 15, I started my own gang. And my life was spiraling out of control um, pretty badly. And I remember one Mother's Day, um, I got arrested in Garden Grove. And um, it was not, you know, broke my mom's heart. And she went to go see me in juvie. And um, she bought me a Bible. And she wasn't even a, a Christian. She wasn't saved, but she was so desperate. She said, please, I heard this book is good. I've never read it, but you read it. <laughs> you know. <coughs> So she got me a Bible. I'm sitting there in my cell. I'm trying to read this book, and I don't understand it. I didn't understand it at all. But a seed was planted in my heart. And as my life became more violent, as things kind of started to spiral out of even my control, at least what I perceived to be my control, I remember hearing a story of a, a Another um, young man, an Asian gang member, who he was walking with his mom and his sister, and I have a mom and a sister, and he was gunned down. They were all gunned down by, by a rival gang. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want that to happen to my mom and my sister. We may have our differences. We may you know, have our fights, but I don't want her to get shot to death. And so I remember every night I started praying to the unknown God, like Mars Hill, right? I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're even there, if you're listening. But if you are, please protect my family. Every night I started praying, praying for my family. And when I get back late from parties and, and uh, going out and doing my thing, I, I turn on the TV, I'd see these televangelists uh, you know, on TV talking about how they talked with God. You know? and, and I remember seeing that as a lost young man and thinking, I want to talk to God. I want to 
How come, how come they get to talk to God? I want to talk to God. And I remember one time <clears throat> when I finally had it, I tried to make a deal with God. <clears throat> oh, thank you very much. I, that obvious that I'm parched, huh? All right. <laughs> Appreciate it. <clears throat> Shouldn't have served me pizza. All right. <clears throat> I remember uh, watching these televangelists and, and getting that in my head, that God is approachable. And uh, one night, I went out by myself, and I had a 40-ounce bottle of beer. I had my drugs and my cigarettes, and I dumped it all out. And I said, God, if you're real, if you're real and you really care about me, then show, show me your face. I said, I want to see you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know who you are, God, whoever you are. I want to know who you are. These preachers on TV, they keep saying that they, they talk to you all the time and you talk to them. Well, I want you to talk to me. And I said, if you talk to me, I'll, I'll quit everything. I'll quit drinking. I'll quit, I'll quit uh, uh, smoking. I'll quit doing drugs. I'll, I'll, I'll ditch my gang. I will quit everything and follow you if you're real. And I dumped it all out and I threw it all in the dumpster. And I said, God, I'll, I'll be waiting. <clears throat> Little did I know God was answering my prayer, thankfully, not in the way that I had asked, because if you see his face, you die, and, you know, probably not the best thing. <clears throat> um, so I'm glad he didn't answer it that way, you know. <clears throat> but he was answering my prayer, because he laid it on my, mom, my mom's heart to do something before I end up dead or in prison for the rest of my life, like I have many friends. And so God brought Agape Boarding School across the path of my mom. It was a Christian boarding school in Missouri, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> about, about 11 miles north of nowhere. <clears throat> and she, uh, she, again, was not a saved person, but God had, had somehow crossed their, their paths, and, and when she called the school, the school said, hey, if you want a reference, we have a family who uh, goes to Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, and, uh, you know, the Atherton family, go talk to them, and they can give you references, you know, and tell you about the school and whatnot. So my mom did that, and she started enjoying the church, and she started going, still didn't get saved quite yet, but she started attending and listening to the messages, and she even invited me one time, um, and I said, no, I'm not interested, I don't, I don't. I don't want to go, only because I didn't, um, I just didn't want to go anywhere with my mom. You know, again, that story with that kid is just stuck with me, and so I just wanted to be alone. So if, if I was shot and killed, at least it'd just be me. And I said, no, I don't want to go. It's okay. And I think that was kind of the, the boiling point where she said, all right, he's not even going to come to church. I have to send him. It, it's his, the only way he could save his life. And so <clears throat> she hired two bounty hunters to kidnap me at 4 o'clock in the morning. Not exactly the answer to prayer I was wanting or asking for, um, but they showed up. One of them had a badge on his belt, so I think he was a police officer. And I found out later some of them are law enforcement. They kind of do this for extra money. and Bounty hunters, they'll get your kid anywhere. And uh, so they, they woke me up in my room. I was still on probation, and they woke me up. They said, hey, uh, Kevin, right? I'm like, yeah, what are you two white guys doing in my room? Who are you? <laughs> and uh, they said, no, you know, we're, and I saw the badge. So immediately I'm like, oh, okay, he's a cop. And in, of course, a million things ran through my head, like, you know, 
can I can I make it out that window fast enough? <laughs> you know, uh, but also I knew I was on probation, and and so uh, they said we're taking you to a meeting in Missouri, and uh, I said, is this part of my probation? And they looked at each other like, yeah, 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 come with us, kid, come on, yeah. <clears throat> so I went along with it, you know. <clears throat> so I went over there, and then they they flew me all the way. They they escorted me all the way over there with a pair of handcuffs just in case I had tried anything funny. Um, but I, I complied um, because they lied to me. Uh, <clears throat> but when I made it there, when I made it there, I heard a Baptist preacher for the first time in my life. And the preaching spoke to me like nothing I've ever seen on television. And on the first day that I was there, he asked the question at the end of his message, if you were to die today, and you don't know where you're going. Raise your hand. I said, that's me. I rose my hand, looked around, saw that nobody else had their hand raised. I quickly put it down, but it was too late. You know how Baptists are. <clears throat> Guy running down the aisleway for me, gunning for me, you know. <clears throat> Man by the name of Scott Dumar, who was a graduate of that school at that time now, uh, and still a staff member there, pulled me to the back of the chapel and he showed me from the Bible that God loves me. <clears throat> he showed me that uh, no matter what I've done, he can forgive me all under the blood. <clears throat> and I bowed my head and I accepted Christ as my personal Savior, June 18, 1997. <clears throat> and my first challenge to you, you know, there were many moments in my life that God had sent people. And of course, culminating to this moment that God sent Scott Dumar and Jim Clemenson, the founder of the school, to, to eventually bring me the gospel. I remember, uh, I think it was what, 95, 1995, 96, I was in my baggy clothes and I was wearing my, my wife beater shirt and you know, I had my long belt. That was a style back then, I know it's ridiculous now. Weird hairstyle. You know, I was walking uh, in front of my high school. Obviously, I looked like a gang member. And as I was walking by, there was an, an older gentleman handing out New Testaments. Okay. He handed me one, and I took it. And I looked at him. And he didn't say a word. He just continued on handing it out to other kids that walked by. I think if he just would have witnessed to me then, I would have gotten saved probably even then. And my challenge to you is if not you, then who? If not you, then who? Because somebody, somebody had to get me the gospel. Somebody had to get my mom the gospel, which we were miles and miles away. And right now, maybe God is calling you to something. Maybe it's the mission field. Or maybe it's to start a church here. Or maybe it's to go to Bible college. Or maybe it's just to witness to somebody that maybe you don't like so much. Whatever it is. If not you, then who? What if Scott Dumar decided, you know what? I don't want to follow God. I don't want to stay here on staff. I want to go back to my life in Washington. Who would have told me about the love of God? What if Jim Clemenson, the founder of Agape Boarding School, a highway patrolman, never even went to Bible college, no formal training, 
God called him to start a Christian school to lead young men and women that are going astray. I'm sorry, young men. It was a boys, all boys boarding school. To lead young men to Christ and, and get them exposed to the word of God. What if he said, no, it's too hard. Not for me. I like my life. You know, <clears throat> call someone else. Where would my mom have sent me to? If not you, then who? You know, there are some things, some things that only you can do. Even your pastor can't do it. Only you and God specifically put you in that place so that you can reach that one soul that nobody else on this entire planet can reach. If not you, then who? And oftentimes, when people think of the mission field and they think of all those lost souls, the devil will try to put things on your brain. God tries to put people, and the devil tries to put things. And this is the overall theme I want to share with you. People are more important than things. People are more important than things. That's why every single time God says, go here. These people need you. The devil says, but your house, but your boat, but he throws things at you. And God says, but, but so-and-so and so-and-so. And the devil says, but this and that. If not you, then who? While I was at the boarding school, even though I got saved on the first day, I was a working progress. <laughs> I was quite a challenge. <laughs> Um, I mean, you talk about somebody who was contrary, Pastor Scott. I, was con- I'm, I, w- I wasn't even old yet. I was quite contrary, all right? <coughs> and right around close to my 18th birthday, I tried to start a riot at the school. And I recruited a bunch of guys. We were going to go you know, beat up the staff, steal the cars, and go drive to California. I was such a moron. <clears throat> but that's what we wanted to do, you know, and, and I still had that gang mentality in my mind, you know, and, and uh, so here I am plotting to harm the staff members at that school. Well, one of the guys I tried to recruit, um, was close to graduating, wanted to get his diploma, didn't want to have anything to do with it, didn't even want it to happen because he knows how crazy I am, and so he told on me, and it all got stopped, dead in, dead in its tracks before, before it could even start. And I got in a lot of trouble. The director, um, you know, chewed me out, was not happy with me. But one staff member, one staff member, and I, and I, I kid you not, his name was Ronald McDonald. That was, that was his name, Brother, Brother Ron. That was his real name. <coughs> um, <coughs> he came up to me while I was under the punishment there where I had to basically face a wall and, uh, you know, during the free time and just stare at the wall, think about what I'd done. He called my name. He said, Kevin. I turned around. We made eye contact. And I gave him the iciest stare that, that I could give. You know, kind of like, what do you want? You know, like an idiot. 
<clears throat> but he looked at me without any kind of retaliation. In fact, quite the opposite. He looked at me with care and love. And he said, Kevin, I don't know why you did what you did. But I want you to know that God loves you. And he's got something great for you. And I hope you get back up and do something for God. I love you. And I turned around. And I thought, I just plotted to beat this guy to a bloody pulp. And he responds with, I love you. And I knew at that moment that it was, it was more than Brother Ron that was telling me this. It was God. It was God saying, when will you finally let me answer your prayer? My second challenge to you is if not now, then when? At that moment, I broke down in tears. And I surrendered my life to God. I said, I can't fight you, God, obviously. Because you play dirty. <laughs> and he got me. And right now, maybe some of you, God has been trying to call you to something. Maybe it's the mission field again. Maybe it's something else. I don't know what it is. I'm not God. But you know what it is. And God knows what it is. And whatever it is that God is calling you, I ask you, if not now, then when? I have friends in the same boarding school who had the same opportunity as me and were called the same way I was by God. But they did not surrender. Said no, and I, some of them have even said, not right now. I'm young, I want to party a little more. Maybe when I'm older. And even somebody who's actually more than somebody, several who are very close to me, good friends at the school, are now in heaven. They had their opportunity. What they didn't realize was that God wasn't just trying to call them into their purpose in life, but they're trying to save their life. It's always safer to go God's way. Like the sermon we just heard, right? It's always safer to go God's route. If not now, then when will you surrender to God? And my last challenge, <clears throat> when I was in Bible college, finally, it took a lot for God to get me there, but I finally found myself in Bible college. And growing up, you know, poor, we've always lived in apartments and, and, uh, filled with roaches and, uh, you know, just, just not, not the best place growing up. And I remember driving around northwest Indiana, and over there they actually have seasons. It's, it's pretty amazing, uh, <laughs> you know, something we don't really, yeah. <clears throat> So I remember it was autumn time, right? It was a, a spring, uh, fall season of, of the school year. I was driving around these beautiful autumn leaves, which I've never seen before. I know everybody else over there is just like, whatever, it happens every year. And I'm just like, whoa, I'm like, like you know, Disneyland or something. This is so cool. 
you know, looking around all these colors, orange, red. And, and then I remember looking at these beautiful homes. They weren't even that fancy, you know, but to me, you know, it was, it was a home. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering to the ministry. And from what I understand, the ministry is not lucrative um, for those who preach the truth anyway. Um, that's a whole other sermon for another time. <coughs> Joel Osteen. Anyway. <coughs> um, <coughs> and so I thought, you know, I've, I've always wanted to own a house someday, but I thought, you know, maybe it's just something God never wanted me to do. And so at that moment, I prayed. And I said, you know what, God, if I never own a house, I don't care. If I live in apartments all my life, as long as I have you, Lord. And I surrendered completely my things, my life, everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I remember, I remember the time that a gun was pointed in my face. And I looked down that barrel as a lost young man and thinking, if this kid pulls a trigger, I'm doomed. I don't know where I'm going. I know it's not there. I'm doomed. I remember that moment, and I know what I've been saved from. And as Christians, our life should be about the gospel. I love the American dream, but that should not be the center of a Christian's life. And this is coming from an immigrant whose family were all poor and, you know, they've got to live the American dream. My, my uncles, I used to share a bed with my mom and my sister, you know, growing up. And all, my five uncles, my grandma, all in one tiny little house when we first, came, you know, uh, moved to America. And now they all own their own homes. My sister, two homes, you know, and, and uh, you know, they live the American dream. But let me tell you something, as a Christian, who cares? That's not the point. Because all of that you will have to leave behind when you take your last breath. And I've seen many who've done that. Amen. So my third challenge, if, if not the gospel, then what? If not you, then who? If not now, then when? And if not the gospel, then what? What is it that is so important that it would take the place of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What house is so great and mighty that it's more important than souls? I'm a nobody. I don't, uh, my church is not huge. First of all, it's not even my church. It's God's church. Church is not even, it's, it's tiny. I don't have a lot of money. I'm not well connected. Um, some people, Brother Thomas knows me. Hey, good to see you. <laughs> a lot of people don't. <clears throat> God knows me. But you know, earthly speaking, I'm a nobody. But you know what makes me important? I'm a soul. That makes me important to him. Amen. And when you look out there, every single soul is important to him. When will you answer God's call? Not you, then who? If not now, then when? If not the gospel, then what? Thank you for listening to this preaching podcast from Cornerstone Baptist Church. We hope that you were encouraged. For more information about our ministry, you can find us online at cornerstonefallbrook.org.